Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a human tanning bed warning label to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the Galileo fallacy, also known as the Galileo gambit and the Galileo defence. So the Galileo fallacy is actually a really quite specific fallacy. It is when someone refers to someone in history, like Galileo, who was mocked or ridiculed for their beliefs. And using that, they say that, therefore, because people ridicule me for what I believe, because Galileo turned out to be right, that that shows I'm probably right too. <laughs> right. Now, it doesn't have to be Galileo. <laughs> it can be It can be any right. lots of different people. <laughs> Churchill was yeah. ridiculed, for example, for his stance on, on Germany before the war. So uh, yeah. I expect some politician somewhere has said, oh, well, you know, they laughed at Churchill. So that's the kind <laughs> yeah. of thing it is. And a little bit kind of behind-the-scenes stuff here. Mark and I don't always choose which fallacy we're going to do next a lot of time in advance and um, as we finished our recording last time after we finished uh, and turned the recorders off I said to him I don't know what we're going to do next week Uh, which which one shall we pick and we kind of went oh well let's just see what happens (laughs) and see what happens and and, because there's always going to be something with Trump and as we were recording last week Trump was in Billings Montana at a rally and he he gave us an example of of the Galileo fallacy. Now, uh, regular listeners will know that there's a book of fallacious Trump that this podcast is based on, and and this is actually the first fallacy we've done that isn't in the book, and that's because it's, he's only just said it. He's only just given us example. It, it's something that I've been kind of paying attention and looking out for because I was pretty sure he was going to do it at some point, but uh, okay, um, yeah. But this is the first one I've actually been able to find. So this is what he said. You know when Abraham Lincoln made the Gettysburg Address speech, the great speech. Do you know he was ridiculed? He was ridiculed. He took the horse and carriage up from the White House. He rode it partially in that carriage and partially at a desk in the Lincoln bedroom, which is incredible, by the way, in the White House. And he went up to Gettysburg and he delivered that speech, the Gettysburg Address. And he was excoriated by the fake news. They had fake news that he was excoriated. They said it was a terrible, terrible speech. They said it was far too short. It's not long. Many of us know it by memory. It was far too short and it was far too flowery. It was too flowery, four score and seven years ago, right? Too flowery. And he died 50 years after his death. They said it may have been the greatest speech ever made in America. Pretty good. Pretty good. I have a feeling that's going to happen with us. In different ways, that's going to happen with us. (laughs) So I think one of the different ways it's going to happen to them is that it isn't. Yeah, that will be quite a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... (laughs) <laughs> the, the argument is Lincoln was ridiculed, 
then he died. And then that's I love brilliant. that, yeah. And he died. <laughs> yeah. And then 50 years later, they said it was brilliant. Yeah. And I like uh, people, we, some of, you know, we've got it, we know it by memory. Yeah. Like yeah. he does. Well, sure. Yeah, we know it, we know it because we, we remember it. Yeah. <laughs> Other people know stuff by heart. Yeah. You know, he knows stuff, but he's he just doesn't. amazing. He doesn't. There's remember no way anything. he knows it by memory <laughs> or by heart or anything like that. No, or anything like that, or even by writing it down and then reading it, because he can't. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it is true <laughs> that Lincoln was ridiculed, although not widely. Mm. He, it was by some people, I don't know if they said it was too short and too flowery, but the Chicago Times, for example, wrote, the cheeks of every American must tingle with shame as he reads the silly, flat and dishwatery utterances. So wow, <laughs> some people didn't excellent. think it was a good speech. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah, but it didn't take fifty years after he died for people to start thinking it was a good speech, and realistically, it probably was largely along party lines. It probably was papers that were traditionally Democrat were saying what a shit speech, and and papers that were traditionally Republican, like the Chicago Tribune, for example, said the dedicatory remarks by President Lincoln will live among the annals of man. The Philadelphia Evening Bulletin said that not many people who read Lincoln's speech will do it without a moistening of the eye and a swelling of the heart. So even at the time, people were saying, yeah, that's a pretty good speech, that one. Yeah. But more importantly, and this is really the key, even if it was completely true, even if, if uh, everything that Trump said about Lincoln was true, and basically at the time everyone said, well, that was rubbish, and then afterwards they came to realise it was great, that is not proof or evidence or an indication that people thinking what he's saying is nonsense is going to turn into people thinking what he's saying is great in 50 years time or 50 years after he dies yeah 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 it's it's completely unrelated what's the world got to come to in order to find what he says (laughs) as uplifting and heart swelling and eye moistening for all the right reasons as they did find Lincoln. Well, it's it's got to it's got to come to idiocracy, I think, isn't it? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we've got to. Jeb Bush has got to make it into the White House, probably, <laughs> for for us to look back on the the heady, lucid, <laughs> marvelously oratorical yeah. uh, fireworks of Trump. What was interesting in that bit when he was saying that stuff, he got the word excoriating. Yeah. In they excoriated. He was excoriated twice, he said it twice, didn't he? And there was, yeah. Well, that was because everybody just went, "What did you just say?" <laughs> that you know, it's, it's many syllables yeah. and a word that he probably, you know, has never it's, come across. It's word of the day, toilet um, paper. I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> and a bit like Elvis, he gets through a lot of yeah. that because of his diet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's just thought the, the cheery thought that one day Trump might die on the toilet uh-huh. um, might happen. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't cheery when Elvis did it, but, you know, it might, um, I might change my mind. You know, it might turn out to be uh, a marvellous thing. Yeah, so, that, so um, what was interesting, that's called to mind the, um, uh, the misquote that many people have made about Gandhi well, this is from a uh, a website where they are 
trying to look into the truth of the quote. So actually, Trump quoted Gandhi as saying, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. So he he attributed that to Gandhi. It's not been attributable to Gandhi. Yeah, but historians that's basically say that what they he's can't saying, find any evidence that he ever said it. But, yeah. But it sounds like the kind of thing he would say. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so, because it's, you know, it's all about the satyagraha and, um, you know, passive resistance um, kind of stuff. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's some, if somebody had said it about him, it's perfectly apt. And so, in a way, what, he's, what Trump is doing is trying to say, well, I'm in that category. I'm, I'm, I'm the same as Lincoln. And when he tweeted this in... No, he put it on Instagram uh, in 2016. He's trying to hook his wagon onto that and saying, you know, we're, I'm the same. I am doing stuff that people will argue against, people will dislike, they will... Uh, and then you, then you win. It's kind of and actually a, a favourite tactic of conspiracy theorists, of which Trump is one, who say... Things like, you know, you, you get the most flack when you're over the target. Right. To say that basically yep. if people are saying what you're talking about is complete bullshit and, and it's totally yep. wrong, that's evidence yeah, in yeah. some way that actually you're onto something. You must something. be touching you're a right. nerve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what they don't realise yeah. is that they, they don't put the things that fire flack near the targets. Near the targets. <laughs> they, they put it they tend ahead to try and target, yeah they tend to try and get the planes it. before they bomb um, <laughs> rather than wait for them yeah. to get there and then attack them yeah so, so it's just as true yeah. conveniently ignored it's just as true to say you take a lot of flack when you're not over the yeah target. when you're, when fact, you're that, really quite a long way probably away probably the, the design of <laughs> yeah that's the design of that's the purpose of flack isn't it yeah to yeah, to take to the plane down before down. it gets anywhere near the target. Before yeah. it gets anywhere near the target. Yeah, that's kind of conveniently lost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other quote um, of that, the kind of turning that one on its head, is I found this on the net, attributed to Quietus, who uh, was a Roman senator. It's very, very so, quiet, Roman could senator. Very quiet. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it didn't. He like, put his hand up. Nobody listened to him. Um, and he said, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you. Then, in a surprisingly high number of cases, it turns out you're still wrong. Yeah. I'm, I, can't, I can't believe that that is actually a thing from Roman times. I think that must be a, a made-up quote to, to oh, right. skewer the yeah. kind of Gandhi-type one. But, yeah, it's brilliant. It's true. And... Now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. OK, yeah, so this week we're not featuring Boris Johnson. No, Boris um, free zone. Which is, which, yeah, which I'm surprised at. And I think in my research to try and find an example of this, it's very rare in British politics that um, British politicians will say this stuff out loud and I've gone through, um, you know, all the likely people who are um, currently saying things which are, you know, um, uh, outrageously controversial. So Nigel Farage, um, Rhys Mogg, 
um, yeah, Boris, uh, Michael Gove, uh, you know, all of those kind of politicians who are currently fighting um, internally in the Tory party, you would think that they would call upon this um, uh, rhetorical fallacy, as it turns out, to say, OK, you might not like what I'm saying, um, but, no, but people didn't like what Galileo was saying. Yeah. And, you know, but nobody said that, except for the example that I'm touting, which is uh, from Vince Cable it's in the fall of 2010. Uh, he was the business secretary for the coalition government between the Liberal Democrats and the Tories uh, at that time. So he is addressing the um, uh, Liberal Party conference and he says, um, it's lovely watching it because the first thing he does is to slip down a step. So he's, <laughs> this is great. And uh, so he says this. I've managed to infuriate the bank bosses. I've uh, acquired a fatwa from the revolutionary guards of the trade union movement. I've uh, alarmed the Daily Telegraph with a progressive graduate payment. And I've upset some very rich people who are trying to dodge British taxes. I've concluded that... Uh, I've concluded on the strength of that that I must be doing something right. But I, but I am told uh, that I look miserable. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, conference, but this is my happy face. So what I find interesting about this is that... Uh, I think he's making a serious point there, but uh, and the reason I think that is because he didn't expect to get the laugh after I must be doing something right because he thought he would have to add the joke and yet people think I'm miserable mm -hmm. um, afterwards, which just goes to show you that politicians are really crap at stand-up. Yeah. Um, but I, so I think what he's saying is I'm I'm doing this stuff uh, on the part on the for the coalition government, um, and he's often been described as being more Tory than the Tories, even though the Liberal Democrats were, uh, I guess historically they were slightly more centre than the Labour Party. In fact, this gives me the opportunity to correct some of the uh, errors from last week. I think I was probably uh, committing a fallacy. Uh, I'm going to move the goalposts, actually, to commit the fallacy when I said that Shirley Williams, A, belonged to the Labour Party. At the time of the recording we had, she was a member of the uh, Liberal Democrats because she left the Labour Party in 1981 to set up the Social Democratic Party, which then merged with the Liberals ah, because the yes. Labour Party was too left-wing. And... Um, uh, the other goalpost I'm, I'm going to move is that when I said she's no longer with us, I actually meant she's no longer with the Labour Party <laughs> because, because she's still alive. OK. So what I'm saying about Vince Cable is that uh, he's coming in because they kind of got somewhat excoriated, ha-ha, thank you, Donald, for uh, doing the stuff that they were doing with the Tory party because the Tories are much further right than the Liberals ever were. Um, and so 
He's reporting that the various people have said what he's doing is wrong. So the bank bosses have uh, said you're, what you're doing is wrong and it's infuriated them. Um, the revolutionary guards of the trade union movement. So basically he was doing yet more right-wing tor- uh, trade union bashing. Um, and he wanted to bring about some sort of uh, government-sponsored student loan system um and also get rich people to pay their taxes so i and I, and i would maintain that he maintains that he is right because these people think what he has done is wrong yeah and that i there i rest my case okay so i don't fully agree that this is a galileo fallacy okay um okay i do see where you're coming from uh but i I think to be a real Galileo fallacy, you have to make the case that someone else who did something similar to what you're doing was, uh, or it doesn't actually have to be necessarily similar, but they were treated in the similar way to how you've been treated. So someone else did something that all of these people didn't like, and they turned out to be right, therefore I'm right because they're treating me that way too. I think what we have here uh, yeah. is... It's a little bit strained, and I do think it's fallacious reasoning. I think the closest thing I can find to it probably is denying the antecedent. And what that right. means, the for, it's a formal logical fallacy, and the form it takes is um, if P, then Q, mm-hmm. not P, therefore not Q. And what I mean by that is I think it's reasonable for Vince Cable to say if all of those people who we don't like thought I was you know, were happy with what I was doing, Mm -hmm. I would be doing something wrong. I'd be doing a bad job because we don't like any of those people. They don't like what I'm doing, therefore I must be doing a good job. It is fallacious, but actually there's another possibility. They could not like what you're doing and you could be doing a bad job, which annoys them and other people as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, because this came from my research, kind of came from that, that thought that perhaps... Uh, so the BBC is often attacked by both sides of the political spectrum for being uh, biased and uh, too easy on one side and not on the other. It tends to be whoever's in power, they accuse the BBC of being um, more biased towards those people who are in opposition. Um, So the thing is, of course, when the governments change and the people who were in power are now in opposition and the people who were in opposition are now in power, they will say the same thing. So the BBC, kind of jokingly, a bit like Vince Cable making a joke, say, well, if both parties are disagreeing with us, then we must be doing something right. Yeah. And that's... And that, so again, I think that yeah, makes sense. That's a denying the antecedent. It's denying the antecedent again, yeah, because I think... Yeah, yeah. Um, if one of the parties was happy with what the BBC were doing and the other party wasn't, then that might be evidence that they are behaving in a way that is biased towards one party. So so it's fair to say that if one of them is happy, the BBC is doing a bad job, at least of being unbiased. Um, but it doesn't necessarily follow that if neither of the parties were ha- are happy with them, that they're doing a good job of being unbiased. Because, yeah. for example, they could be really into uh, liberal democrats <laughs> and and saying yeah, negative yeah. things about both labor and the tories so 
and that therefore both parties would would think bad things about them but they might still be horrendously biased or they might you know be biased towards ukip or someone yeah, like that yeah so for it to be a galileo fallacy they would have to say we were excoriated during the coverage of these kind of events in the war or during the 50s and the 60s, and it turned out we were right. We are currently being excoriated for the broadcasts we're doing in the in the 2010s. Yeah. So, but yet we're going to turn out to, you yeah. know, on that basis, in 30 years' time, people will love what we're doing. Yeah, I think so. I think you need to have a comparison. That will be it, yeah. With, right. um, yeah. with someone else who is treated similarly or another, like you say, yeah. the same yeah. organisation but in a previous time. I've actually found a, a British politics example, um, slightly yeah. stepping on Mark's toes in, in the UTA politics corner. <laughs> there's, a, there's an MP in the UK called David Tredinick who is a fucking idiot. He, he is all kinds of... No, he's the MP for fucking yeah, idiot. Yes. He, is, yeah. he is all kinds yeah. of stupid and believes in, in all, lots of different types of alternative medicine and woo, basically, including, for example, claiming that uh, in, in Parliament, in, this was not just like to a friend or something, this was like an official yeah. thing that he said, was that yeah. blood doesn't clot under a full moon. So, yeah. Um, now, he said he, he's a very big proponent of homeopathy, which I'm happy to say thanks in very large part to the work of uh, people like Michael Marshall at the Good Thinking Society. No NHS areas, like uh, medical areas, are, are funding homeopathy anymore in England. It's still, I think happening in scotland a bit but yeah yeah, clinical care areas in england were still funding homeopathy until quite recently but that's now stopped but while it was still a thing that was being debated in in parliament david tradinick said it tends to evoke terrifically strong emotions isn't the problem that science has not yet worked out how it works rather like for many centuries scientists thought the sun went round the earth and subsequently discovered it was the other way round Mm -hmm. so what he's saying is the problem is that that science just doesn't understand homeopathy yet. It, science didn't used to understand the um, heliocentric model of the solar system. It yeah. had a geocentric model, and it was wrong. Therefore, yeah. science is wrong about homeopathy as well, and all we need to do is wait for science to catch up and right. understand it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, this is bollocks, because <laughs> that suggests that uh, all things that science currently thinks aren't true will turn out to be true because science yeah, yeah, was well, wrong that's once. The implication. It, or, or, yeah, yeah. Or, it, yeah. or it's, it just needs to be... You just need to wait long enough. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that, yeah, it kind of smacks of creationism and evolution and also climate change. There's all those things that... It seems to me that this are the argument that... Well, people used to think the Earth was flat, or people used to think the Earth went round the the Sun went round the Earth. Uh, yeah, and and yet it turned out to be the so we, you know, well, people think that climate change is man-made, but science is just looking in the wrong place, like it was when the Earth went the Sun went round the Earth. So yeah, I think you're right. I think the implication is that everything 
that I disagree with about what science has found will turn out I will be right yeah. because science turns out to have been wrong. He's universalising that to become every scientific theory that he happens to be being disagreed with yeah. about. So ones he happens to disagree with, that's the thing. It's, yeah. it's not... Yeah. I don't think even Tradinic would suggest that all of science is going to be overturned. Um, yeah. But conveniently, just the bit that disagrees yeah. with what he thinks <laughs> will... Yeah, he's going to be, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And so that's a proper Galileo fallacy because wasn't Galileo one of the people that posited the heliocentric he was. model of the... He was. And and he, to be fair, at the time wasn't really fighting other scientists so much as the church uh, who's, right. who, who had a vested interest in maintaining the geocentric model. It's often said about Jeremy Corbyn when people say... Uh, well, well, Corbyn's a terrible leader. Uh, mainly people in the centre of politics think that Corbyn is far too left-wing. Um, and what's interesting is that people will, many of his supporters, will point to examples where he was on the wrong side of history way back in from the, you know, the 80s before the first Iraq war. He was saying, well, this is awful. Um, and we'll cite various examples throughout his 30-odd years in politics where they say he has been proved right ever since. So, yes, turned out the Iraq war was a complete fabrication. Um, the reason for going in was, a, uh, was made up um, and various other examples. So the policies that he is arguing about now and against now and the policies he would put in place if he got into power, you may not like them now, but just look at his track record. He, we didn't like him then, but it turned out he was right. So I think they employ the uh, Galileo fallacy to talk about the rightness of Jeremy Corbyn. Um, uh, and one of his uh, antecedents, was Tony Benn, um, who was uh, equally called out... No, he would equally call out uh, current policies as being wrong. And, you know, he was he was always a thorn in the uh, uh, government's side for saying such things. And he um, used the same kind of Gandhi quote. And now here's my Tony Benn impression. It's a shame each time with progress. First, they ignore you. Then they say you're mad, then dangerous, then there's a pause, and then you can't find anyone who disagrees with you. That's pretty good. There you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm smoking a pipe, as I say. Yeah, that. yeah, you need a pipe. Of course, yeah. Adam and the Ants there, yeah, 1982, <laughs> their their first recording ever, was it? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a yeah before yeah. Um, Prince Charming, before Kings of the Wild Frontier. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my sister yeah. was a big fan. She will back me up. Excellent. All right, so in the Fallacy in the Wild section, we uh, like to talk about the Fallacy of the Week from a non-political perspective. Uh, we have a couple of examples this week, and the first one, I absolutely love it because it really shows how the fallacy is wrong and how it's nonsense. <laughs> it yeah. comes from the original 1967 version of Bedazzled, which I highly recommend. If you've only seen the 2000 version with brendan fraser or if you haven't seen it at all be good to yourself watch the 67 version with uh, pete and dud peter cook and, and dudley moore in which peter cook is playing the devil i'm the horned one the devil let me give you my card oh yes the devil of course so they hold me cool blimey i left my hanky at wimpy's uh, i wonder if you'd excuse me don't rush away mr moon you're a nutcase you're a bleeding nutcase they said the same of jesus christ freud and galileo they said he have a lot of nutcases too <laughs> so and that is absolutely yeah. the response because yeah yeah there they you did go say, that's how you counter it yeah they did say that all of those people that he cited um, were were talking nonsense, but they also say it of a lot of people who are talking nonsense, and that's the key. Statistically speaking, if someone who knows what they're talking about says that what you think isn't true, it's far more likely that that you're one of the ones who is saying something untrue than that you're one of those very rare cases where although you're going against all the scientific consensus and all the evidence, it turns out you're yeah. going to be right. It's so much yeah. more likely that you're wrong. So uh, an even earlier example in pop culture than that is from uh, a song by, by Gershwin, actually, which was originally written, I think, for Fred Astaire in the 30s um, and has been recorded by so many people. Uh, ever since, and uh, this is a clip of Sinatra. They all laughed at Christopher Columbus when he said the world was round. The argument in the song, the story of the song basically is people, he's it's talking to a woman that he is interested in and uh, saying essentially... Everyone thinks that I don't have a chance. Everyone is laughing at me because I because I would like to go out with you. Yeah. But they laughed at Christopher Columbus. They laughed at Edison when he first recorded sound, and so on. And he he lists a number of people who supposedly were ridiculed, including the Wright brothers and and various others, and saying that they all turned out to be right. So just because they're laughing at me, uh, that that shows that I am going to get to go out with you. Basically, that's the kind yeah. of the plot. Of I the am remember the chance. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Because the counter example of that is not dissimilar to Dudley Moore's countering of Peter Cook's Devil. Yeah, I think it was Carl Carl Sagan, no less. Um, you know, an eminent scientist who said, "Yeah, they also all laughed at Bozo the Clown." Yeah. So you kind of uh, you know, but it didn't make him not laughable at. Yeah. I think that's the that's the 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 thrust of it, isn't it? You, you know, they laughed at these people, and you shouldn't have laughed at them. But lots of other, that's not enough. And just because, because I can't let it go, they didn't laugh at Christopher Columbus when he said the world was round. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. knew full well Is the world it... was round by that point. There was this this yeah. myth that that still persists in some places, and was even in like history 
textbooks right. like into the kind of 80s and 90s that that all of the sailors who who went with Columbus had to you know they were worried that they were going to fall off the edge of the world it's all nonsense yeah yeah that wasn't yeah. what happened at all it was that was not a claim that that Columbus made that people thought wow he's nuts. I know it, 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 I think it's an yeah isn't it that was my question was well actually did Christopher Columbus say the world was Round? He did. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone said yeah, that. Well, they round all at would that have point, done. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But he, um, he's not the one that you know. You normally associate. You don't go. Okay, who was it that first said the world was round? You go. Oh yeah, do you know that was Christopher Columbus? <laughs> no, Christopher Columbus sailed yeah. the ocean blue. You know, yeah. he he headed off from uh, a little island off Spain. I think he headed out from Gomera, mm-hmm. um, to which I've been, and. Um, he went from there to head to the Americas. Yeah. He knew where he was going. Well, kind of. You know, off, I mean, he ended off, up in, off, like, the yeah. West Indies, didn't he? But Yeah, yeah. 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 But, off um, over the horizon, you know, knowing that he wasn't just going to... Wasn't, they weren't just going to fall off the edge of the world. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, and, so, yeah, the person that said the world was round wasn't Columbus, it was somebody else. Well, it was, someone, just, it was someone even before Eratosthenes who, who um, measured the circumference of the Earth using uh, shadows, basically. Exactly, um, yes. and and got within a few hundred kilometers, I think. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's been known but for that, a long but you, time. But you could. So my challenge to you now is to sing that line <laughs> with that name instead of Christopher. They Cuff. all laughed at Eratosthenes when he said the world was round. When yeah, he said so the world it, was it kind of fits. They all yeah. laughed at Eratosthenes. <laughs> yeah, you could do it. They yeah, could. yeah, yeah. And it would, I think be, it, was, it would be it was more probably just, historically accurate, probably. It would, it would. Mm. That And, yeah, maybe not quite so pleasing on the ear. No. But, you know, that's... You know. Also, Sinatra's a better singer, so that helps oh, too. Multis, multisyllabic words, it, yeah. Yeah, of everything. Yeah. I'm confident. That's everything. the... Yeah. <laughs> So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Uh, I'm, see, I'm You're on a roll confident. at the moment, aren't you? I am. You are, you are... Uh, well, a roll. Can you have a roll of one? So yeah, far, yeah. yeah. It's kind of half a snake yeah. eye, isn't it, if you get a roll of one? Yeah. Yes, so it could turn into Thrown a roll. out of the casino. Let's say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm very, very confident this week. Okay. Um, so, yeah, go for it. So, is number one fake news. We have a trade deficit with Canada of a substantial amount of money. I have a number, but they keep arguing. They keep saying no, so I won't say it. I won't tell you it's $17 million, okay? Is it number two? Okay. US Steel just announced they're building six new steel mills, and that number is soon going to be lifted, but I'm not allowed to say that, so I won't. Or is it three? I won't say that Hillary is unattractive, very unattractive person. I'd like to, but it would be rude, so I won't say it. I won't say it out loud anyway. <laughs> so, so you may have noticed so this, a theme. <laughs> yeah, it's Things just stuff that, he, won't, that he won't tell us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so these are things that he said. I'm not going to say this, but then he tells us because he kind of does that massive stage whisper where he kind of pulls you into his, his intimate circle. So you feel like one of him and he that he's one of you instead of being a corrupt billionaire. <laughs> um, okay, so we have a trade deficit with Canada. 
I have a number. Well, I won't tell you. It's 17 million. They're building six new steel mills. That number is soon to be going to be lifted. Okay. Mm. All right. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm thinking, I'm edging towards the, the, the second one. The US Steel just announced they're building six new steel mills. Number six sounds just kind of ordinary. And I'm thinking, mm, maybe Jim's gone ordinary this week and just doing a. Uh, one that isn't flowery and uh, short, like Lincoln's speech. Uh, uh, here is an attractive, very unattractive person. I'd like to, but it would be rude, so I won't say it. I won't say it out loud. Uh, now, well, you see, that's got Jim all over it. Uh, okay, I... Okay, I'm going to go with my first gut feeling, which is that the US Steel one, number two, because it's ordinary, that's the one that you made up in order to just fool me, and I'm not going to be fooled. Okay. So so you think number one okay, you... is, is real? Yeah. You're happy with that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, number one is... Yeah. Yeah. Real. We have a trade deficit with Canada of a substantial amount of money. I have a number, but they keep arguing. They keep saying that, so I won't say it. I won't tell you it's seventeen million dollars. Okay. Yeah. So he won't. He won't say that. <laughs> no, I didn't hear it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? What is he? What is he doing? He's, he's simultaneously beating up the people that say that just don't tell anybody this stuff, just keep it to yourself. This is the kind of stuff we have to keep quiet about whilst we do the negotiations. And then he just blows all that out of the water. In oh, I don't know. What is he doing? Is it just to show how powerful he is? Or Okay. You think number right. two is fake news? Yeah. Yeah. Number two is... Yeah, yeah. Real. U.S. God. just announced that they're building six new steel mills. And that number's soon going to be lifted, but I'm not allowed to say that, so I won't. <laughs> oh, man. Now, uh, the interesting thing about this is U.S. Steel are not building six new steel mills. In fact, they only have... I think two, two or three steel mills <laughs> in the US. If they were building okay. six new ones, that would be amazing. Yeah. But it's not happening. Yeah, they've they've in fact. Oh, oh, I thought they was because they were just replacing ones that they'd had to shut down. No, no, well, Trump, because of Trump uh, earlier claiming Trump cuts. Um, Trump's yeah. cl Trump's claiming that it's his tariffs that have kind of re-energized US steel. Oh, okay, yeah, and he says he said this a few times. He said that um, they. Yeah. Uh, this was July. Uh, he said it in June. He said it uh, with members of Congress at lunch in June. He said um, on kind of a few days before this, he said they were going to open seven new new ones. Right. US Steel have, have said, all our operational changes have been publicly announced and all information shared with the federal government has been properly disclosed and made available on our website. Nothing on their website says they're opening any There's new steel mills at all. Wow. It's so it's just, just a lie. Has anybody actually? Yeah, <laughs> but it's just it's it's kind of communist five year plan propaganda. Yeah. This is you know this is stuff during the worst crises economically uh, under Stalin, 
where they would just he would stand up and go, "Yeah, we are meeting all our targets," and, and anybody who disagrees with me, I've had them taken off to the gulag. You know, all the tariffs that I'm doing is not shutting down no. American industry. It's not shutting it's, down factories or harming farmers. No, it's, it's uh, all the people back. that vote for me is bringing steel back home where it belongs. Yeah. All of which means that uh, number three. I won't say that Hillary is unattractive, very unattractive person. I'd like to, but that would be rude. So I won't say it. I won't say it out loud anyway. It is fake news. Oh, man. I thought that was that was perfect run-up to the uh, debates material. Yeah. yeah. He did say... Um, he did tweet a similar thing about Bette Midler once. He said something like... I, okay. I, um, I, I won't say well, that. I can't say it. Yeah, he said so, something like, Bette Miller is a very, very unattractive person, but I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Um, but, wow. Yeah. He didn't it, yeah. ever say it. So is that so he can go back and say, do you know what, I didn't say that? It's. I don't think so. I think it's just... Um, he said in the debates, I can't remember which senator, in the original Republican primary debates, he someone made a joke about his appearance and and he said oh i i didn't i didn't say anything about his appearance and believe me there's a lot there to that i could make jokes about and so basically it's like yeah. kind of i'm yeah it's it's claiming uh i'm not being rude while being rude essentially i think he said something about um about kim jong un as well he said something uh-huh. like you know when when kim called him a dotard he said yeah, something yeah. like i don't know why he called me a dotard i didn't call him fat or something like that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like a backhanded yeah. insult. It's exactly yeah. I didn't call you fat. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you simultaneously good, it? it is. You simultaneously get to deny it whilst doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's really, really good, isn't it? Uh-huh. It's proper bully bullying tactics. Yeah. All that said, I've yeah. been hoodwinked, <laughs> hoodwinked again. God. <laughs> Damn you, So, sir. podcast listeners, I need your help to fool Mark because I can't keep this run going on my own. If you think you can make up a convincing fake Trump quote, then share this episode on Twitter. Include your quote and the hashtag fallacious Trump and I will pick the best one and you'll be podcast famous. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Criticism is Not a Logical Fallacy. It's where we like to talk about the various crazy things that are happening in Trump's orbit and in the White House, but we really can't talk about everything because there's just too much crazy stuff. So the story that we would like to talk about this week is uh, the return of former President Barack Obama to the world so political I li- stage. I felt a little cheer come out yeah. then. I, feel, I nearly went, Ray! but I won't say that. <laughs> no, you wouldn't say I won't say that. I don't. No. Yeah. So, yeah, Obama made a speech at a University of Illinois in Champaign, in Champaign-Urbana and for the first time really since uh, Trump was elected, Obama decided that he wasn't going to kind of hold back. And yeah. uh, he's he's been he's kind of followed the American tradition before of of exiting the political stage and and just letting things happen. And and he hasn't said a lot of stuff out loud against Trump up until now. Um, I think everyone's been quite clear with some of the things he said about his feelings about Trump, but it's um, it's always been kind of in the background and he's he's not stepped up to the plate. But now, yeah. with this speech that he made, 
and it seems like he's now going to be doing some campaigning before the midterms on behalf of some some uh, prominent Democrats. He's pointing out what people need to do. And the, the overwhelming kind of plot of the speech, essentially, the, the, the newmont to it, was he's trying to get people to vote. Right. So, which is obviously a good thing. You should do it. And he isn't saying you have to vote Democrat, although obviously he would prefer that. But I think Michelle Obama has been involved in a, uh, a campaign just to get out the vote, to get people involved and engaged in the electoral process and, and, and yeah. um, to, to actually, you know, make their voices heard. Because the, I think their slogan is something like, it's, it, America is better when we all vote. And... Yeah, that's what they're trying to do is, is say, mm, mm. if you don't like what's going on, if you're unhappy, don't just kind of moan and wish that it yeah. was better. There's there's something you can do about it. Yeah, yeah. And if you think you're doing enough, do some more. Yeah. That, that was kind of the message. And so what was what I found such a relief hearing it, um, and actually he echoed what we'd been saying about, you know, how difficult is it just to say that Nazis are bad. Uh, he included that in his speech. And what I found just a relief uh, in listening to Obama was that you could see him thinking and then the stuff he was thinking would come out in complete sentences that weren't aggressively doing somebody else down. Yeah. Except, except, and even though this is the one speech where he has named Trump as the person that he's ostensibly doing down, he kind of isn't. He's, he's not saying he's the cause of this stuff. No. He's saying he's the symptom and he's then saying, and it's you people that have been disenfranchised sufficient to um, find that Trump is the only alternative. Yeah. Absolutely. So, he said sometimes the backlash comes from people who are genuinely, if wrongly, fearful of change. Um, more often it's manufactured by the powerful and the privileged who want to keep us divided and keep us angry and keep us cynical because that helps them maintain the status quo and keeps their power and keeps their privilege. Um, yeah, and he's saying it's not... Trump isn't the the reason for all of this happening. He's capitalising on resentments that politicians have been fanning for years. Is Obama saying this kind of stuff? Is he taken more seriously than other people saying similar stuff? I mean, we've been saying it for months, and uh, you know, <laughs> oh, nobody's uh, been listening maybe. To us, no. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe you know, five thousand listeners can't be wrong. Maybe uh, all you five thousand listeners, make sure you get out the vote. You know, just get out there and vote, because if you don't, you end up with the government you deserve yeah we're less than seven weeks now from the midterms so mm, mm. you know if you're if it, I, and we're talking to to our kind of american listeners we have somewhere around 70 percent of the people who listen are in the u.s if you are um if you're not registered to vote get registered get ready and and yeah. And do some research. Find out who is running in your local races. Find out if um, what their policies are, and if you like what they have to say. And if you like what they have to say, see if there's a way you can help them. If you can afford it, donate to the campaigns. If you have time, volunteer to help uh, get other people registered and and tell them about uh, who they need to to vote for and why why the you know this candidate that you believe in is is the right one for them. 
um, you can get involved and you and people need to get involved on a local level and a grassroots level, yeah. whether it's a congressional district race or a, or a Senate race. There are a lot of um, close races in these midterms. There are there are a lot where you might not think you'll have a voice, but actually you might be surprised at how close yeah, it's yeah. going to be in some cases. Yeah, yeah. And because actually the the only ones that do have a voice in this thing are the voters. Yeah. So you know if you if you get out get out and vote, the, these exactly we have the same situation in the in the UK. Some of the votes are so close, you've got to make sure that you, you know you you get out there. You, this is your chance to represent how you feel about this stuff, um, and to and the only way you can change the status quo is to is to vote that's the only way you can do it if you if you don't vote then it will remain the same yeah. you know whether uh, yeah for for good or evil you know the, for good or ill yeah you, and there's you, a danger yeah, of, the with all of the talk of the blue wave of of you know there's the the idea that there's going to be such a, an increase in the democrat mm. vote that mm. Um, that people will think, oh, well, I don't need to do anything then. And yeah. that's what yeah. got us here. <laughs> that is exactly... Uh, yeah. I can remember yeah. I was having conversations with people in the in the days before um, November 6th, uh, 2016, who were saying... Because, I mean, people in the UK largely knew at that time what an idiot Trump was and, and thought how awful it would be if he got elected. And and a friend of ours said said to me, you know, he can't, he's not going to win, is he? And I said, no, he's no, there's no way. Hillary's like this many points ahead. It's just, it's not going to happen. He's too crazy. They they won't do it. I was completely wrong. Mm. Uh, and I, but I think a lot of people, a lot of voters, didn't go and vote because they thought, well, there's no way. There's, you know, five thirty-eight were saying that Hillary was definitely going to win. All the polls were saying she's like eighty-five percent chance to win. It didn't matter at that point, but it. But yeah. those people who didn't go and vote, or people who voted for for Jill Stein as a kind of protest vote, or or you know, stayed home because they they would have preferred Sanders to, to Clinton. That's why we're here now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and the, and the same thing happened with the Brexit vote. You yeah, know, there absolutely. There was a sense that it... And what happens is that the people who really want to bring about change, they're the ones that went out and voted. They deliberately, you know, went out and said, we need to leave the EU, and that's why they won. You know, it's a simple thing. The more votes you get for an issue, the more likely it is to get through. So, you know, there is no... You, the, these, especially these days, especially since 2016 on both sides of the Atlantic, there's no guarantee that things will stay the same. There's no way of getting your voice heard other than voting. There's no more important time to vote than now. Yeah. So make sure you do. And if, you know, if one of the candidates in your district is not ideal... Um, Obama, in fact, in his speech said, do not let people tell you the fight's not worth it because you won't get everything you want. The idea that yeah. uh, there's racism in America, so I'm not going to bother voting, no point. That makes no sense. You can make it better. Better's always worth fighting for. It doesn't have to be perfect. And it, and it isn't ever going to be perfect. No. 
ever. Let's face it, it's not ever going to be perfect. You know, the the road construction is never going to be finished. The world will never be perfect. Um, but it will be better. And that's the thing. We want to go forward. We want to make America greater. We want to make Britain greater. And the way to do that is not to go back to the 1950s because it wasn't great then. You know, it's to go forward into the next decade. It's to go ahead. It's to be progressive, which I know is a slightly left-leaning term. But, hey, what the hell? We are. Okay. Cool. That was kind of weird, actually. But I wasn't expecting to, was. to, to push the vote as much as talk about Obama. But to be fair, I think it's what he would have wanted. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Toad from Mario Kart trended on Twitter this week, and when people found out it was because Stormy Daniels used the character in describing Trump's penis in her new book, the world ran out of bleach as people tried to clean the image from their mind's eye. It's horrible. Don't look. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh was accused of a sexual assault that happened back when he was in high school, and Republicans immediately started saying it didn't happen. And if it did happen, it wasn't that bad. And it was a long time ago anyway. They then produced a letter signed by 65 women who claimed to know Kavanaugh in high school who said he'd never tried to rape them. Incidentally, this makes Kavanaugh the only person to have ever attended an all-boys Catholic school who also knew 65 girls. Former Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort has pleaded guilty to charges of obstruction of justice and conspiracy against the United States, as well as the 10 counts that the Virginia jury were unable to reach a verdict on last month. His plea deal has him agreeing to cooperate with the special counsel's investigation, as well as forfeiting millions of dollars of ill-gotten cash and properties, which will more than cover the cost of Mueller's entire investigation. I wonder how many prosecutor hours an ostrich skin jacket would pay for. Later that day, Rudy Giuliani released a statement saying, once again, an investigation has concluded with a plea having nothing to do with President Trump or the Trump campaign. The reason? The president did nothing wrong and Paul Manafort will tell the truth. Minutes later, he realised they will probably want to call Manafort a liar pretty soon, so he reissued the statement, having removed the bit that said Paul Manafort will tell the truth. September 11th is the most solemn day in the US calendar. But unfortunately, you basically elected Paulie Shaw commander-in-chief, so you only have yourself to blame that the president tweeted this. 17 years since September 11th. But that's it. The words of a true statesman. Just for the sake of comparison, here's the tweet Barack Obama sent on this year's anniversary. We will always remember everyone we lost on 9-11. Thank the first responders who keep us safe and honour all who defend our country and the ideals that bind us together. There is nothing our resilience and resolve can't overcome and no act of terror can ever change who we are. Seems that Ted Cruz is getting a bit worried about how much more campaign money Vito O'Rourke has raised in the Texas midterm race, so Cruz's campaign has resorted to sending out donation request letters disguised as a court summons to make sure people actually open them. Depending on who you ask, this might be illegal. It's also exactly the kind of thing we expect from a guy who's so slimy, it looks like a blobfish and Grandpa Munster has had a child, and then the child was a bag of lettuce that you forgot about in the back of the fridge. Trump inexplicably decided to mock a mistake Obama made 10 years ago, tweeting, 
when President Obama said that he has been to 57 states, very little mention in the fake news media. Can you imagine if I said that? Story of the year. Really, Donald? Was it story of the year when you said this? And I watch our police and our firemen down in 7-Eleven. Or this. Nambia's health system is increasingly self-sufficient. Or this. Oh, and I met with the president of the Virgin Islands. Or this. Into cities like right here in Detroit. Or this. An anomalous, really an anomalous. Or even this. The laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong. It has to change. Even when you said would instead of wouldn't, it wasn't story of the year, because you do terrible things every day. <laughs> and one of those terrible things might be, let's face it, it almost certainly is, using the N-word on tape. Tom Arnold claimed this week that he had passed embarrassing behind-the-scenes tapes of Trump from The Apprentice to Ronan Farrow of The New Yorker. The fact that Arnold is currently publicising his new TV show, The Hunt for the Trump Tapes, it's purely coincidental. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. If you hear Trump say something stupid and wonder if it's a fallacy, email us on fallaciousTrump at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at fallaciousTrump. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our newest patrons, Hugh Randolph and Brian Schwimmer. Yes, Hugh and Brian, thank you very much. So if you're feeling as supportive as Hugh and Brian, head over to patreon.com slash ftrump where you can get early access to extended episodes, exclusive bonus content and other cool stuff, including, if you pledge just $2 a show, a brand new series of bonus episodes where Mark and I work our way through Bob Woodward's new book, Fear, Trump in the White House. We're recording the first episode straight after this and it will be out next week exclusively for patrons. All music is by the outbursts and would use with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which I made up, and no, that's not true. That isn't that isn't how we play it. I'm gonna do that again. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna that's <laughs> even more unfair than it normally is okay let's have another go at that <laughs>